Let's talk financial prosperity again today and the weekly Kingdom Outlook. Let's go. Greetings, folks. How are you doing? I hope you are having a fantastic, fantastic week. Let's take care of a couple things before we get started. Of course, you can always find me at lewisdcna.com, locals at thegatechurch.locals.com, always at thegatejacks.com. And I want to tell you about a couple of things we have coming up. First, Todd Bentley will be here January 21st through the 23rd. There's the JPEG. You can uh, see the times and everything there. Come to it. It's the 21st or 23rd. Go to thegatejacks.com or download our app, the Gate Church of Jacksonville, and you will, <coughs> excuse me, you will be able to get all the times. No child care except for on uh, Sunday morning. We really do want um, you to bring your kids and have them learn how to sit in the presence of God and what God's doing and stuff like that. So come enjoy that. And then February 15th, we're going to have the Gate School of the Spirit, the online School of the Prophets will begin 7 o'clock every Tuesday night. You need to check in via the Gate GSS, and there's the thing for that. Text the Gate GSS to 77411. Do that, and that way we will be able to sit there and uh, have your information. It's going to give you about three text replies. Answer them all. Make sure that we have you in there. And we're going to be talking about a lot of things. And if you miss one, it's no problem. It will be there. It will be on the app. You'll be able to go back to it. Here's the deal, though. If you are plugged in and you check in with us on Tuesday nights and you are there, I will every so often do a Zoom call meeting with those people, even though it will be on Subsplash. It will still be on our app. But you won't be invited to the Zoom unless we have your information. And if we don't have your information, then I can't put you in one of the breakout rooms and let people prophesy to each other. So you're going to want to sit there and do that, okay? You're going to want to make sure that happens. So go ahead and do that. Make sure you do that well, and uh, we'll see uh, more information on that as we go. All right. This is the number three session in the financial series, and I don't know how many I'm going to do. But I want to, I'm, what I'm really trying to battle before I get into specifics on finances is battle some of the um, um, philosophies surrounded the tithe and um, you don't have to tithe. And, you know, I, I really find it amazing that a people who call Jesus Lord sit there and then somehow equate that to mean we don't have to do what he says. And I preached this yesterday. If you didn't see it, go to the Gate Church app, download it, look at yesterday's sermon. Uh, I preached this on the point of the fact, listen, he's Lord. I have a love language. Me and my wife have two separate love languages. My wife's is acts of kindness. So doing the floors, making the bed, doing laundry, doing the dishes makes my wife happy. For me, it's touch. And so I like hugs. I like to snuggle. I, I mean, that's just my, that's my love language. I know that about me. My wife's love language is acts of kindness. I don't give my wife what I need. I give my wife what she needs. That's my expression of love to her. 
Just like this, Jesus has a love language. Jesus' love language is obedience. If you want to be pleasing to God, it's faith and obedience. Okay? In other words, if you really have faith, then you're obedient. Simple as that, because you show your faith by what you do. In other words, when I say I believe God, then I do what he commanded me to do. Simple as that. And, you know, and and I, I did a whole message on that yesterday. So it was, uh, if you're getting this late in the series, you're going, what message was that? It was my January 9th sermon from the Gate Church. And I'm doing a series on the ancient pathways. And, and I really want you to get this. I really want you to understand this because it's truth. And so a lot of times I, t- I now we get to this factor with people, Old and New Testament. We're not under the law. No, that's really not true. You're not under the law for righteousness sake. But there is still law because without law, look, if there is no law, then there is nothing but chaos. God does have a law. Let me ask you something. You're not under the law for righteousness sake. Does that mean you can have affairs and God doesn't get angry? Does that mean that you can... um, Cheat on your spouse, steal money, rob a bank, murder your neighbor. I mean, where's the law end? Does it does it end? Is it no longer around? See, we need to we need to define scripture properly. And scripture says you're not under the law for righteousness sake, and that you've been delivered from the righteous requirements of the law. What that meant was the requirements of righteousness, which were, listen. Offering up sacrifices yearly, offering up sacrifices for transpass uh, for trespasses, offering up sacrifices for your sins, Israel offering up a sacrifice once a year. Those things you have been delivered from, set free from, those rituals no longer are required because of Jesus fulfilled all of that. But in love, we still have to communicate our love to God. So, <clears throat> I mean, how many people think that? If I was to tell Jesus, no, that that would be, <laughs> that would work. You know, I don't want to do that, Jesus. I'm not under law. That, that sounds pretty silly, doesn't it? Now, the problem for a lot of people is they think everything left of Matthew, uh, Genesis to Malachi, they think that's called the law. That's not. It's called the scriptures. And remember, everything written in Scripture was written for your learning and edification, okay? For your learning, okay, of how to live. When Paul Paul wrote to Timothy and says, the Word of God is given by the inspiration of God, and it's for our correction, our reproof, okay? So we have to understand that when Paul wrote that, do you know what he wasn't talking about? He wasn't even talking about his letter because he didn't know his letter was going to become Scripture, He was talking about the scriptures, which is what the Jews had. And I think that's really important that we understand that. All right. So tithing, even though you might think it was Old Testament, was not Old Testament. Tithing was scriptural and it was kingdom. And I really want you to understand that. Because there's those out there who teach wrongly. Some with a wrong heart. Some, they believe it. It's not, they, they don't think they're teaching a lot. Some people do because they are against anything that looks Jewish. They're against anything that looks Old Testament. But let me just explain to you. The law was, the law, 
Look at what pleased God before the law was obedience. Enoch pleased God. How did he please God? Two things, faith and obedience. That's what pleased God. And it's what will always please God, obedience. So God talks about the tithe. It's not optional. It, it, it's, it's, it's not required for your righteousness because your righteousness is in faith in Jesus' sacrifice, resurrection from the dead. That is where your faith lies in righteousness. But to walk out your righteousness, to be pleasing to God, you have to be obedient and be in faith. We can't be in disobedience. Those, Jesus said, those who love me keep my commandments. In other words, if you're going to express your love rightly to me, do it through obedience and faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Make sense? I hope so. Okay, we're going to go from there. And now that's really important because the tithe didn't start. Giving didn't start in the law. It started in Genesis. Okay, you, you see that, you know, right from the beginning we see the offerings. Even the first, the first big significant offering was Abel and Cain. And Abel's offering pleased God, but Cain's did not. It says the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? Do what's right. Do what is right before the Lord. Do what is right before him. And you will be accepted. But don't think you can do contrary to the law, contrary to the Lord, contrary to what he desires, and be pleasing. That is false Christianity. Because <clears throat> if that's true, there is no place for Hebrews 12 where it says God corrects us as sons. There can be no place for correction if there is no place for doing right and wrong. Who would God sit there? How could God tell me I'm correcting you if there is no rules? That makes no logical sense. And God's pretty logical. And, and it, so I want you to understand that. Because this is the deception that a lot of Christians live under in today's Christianity. G obeying Jesus is an option. It's not. Not an option. Not for us Christians. He's our Lord, our Master, our King. What term in there does that sound like? Do whatever you want. Even as our Savior, He saved us from our sins. Not so we could keep on sinning. Not so we could keep on being disobedient. But that we would be greatly obedient. He has, as Bill Johnson says, he has set me free to do what is right in his eyes. Because when I was under sin, I obeyed sin. I was trapped by sin. 
But when Jesus came and set me free, he set me free so I could be obedient unto him. So I can use my instruments as instruments of righteousness, not instruments of sin and carnality. And it's with Abraham that we're going to see this. Now you go, well, maybe God didn't invent the tithe. Okay, I'll go with that. But it was so pleasing with God that Abraham did it to Melchizedek that God does institute it in the law. Matter of fact, to be honest with you, there's actually four different tithes. I'm going to show you a book here. This is called the Institutes of Biblical Law. I tell people about this book, and I tell them I haven't gotten past the first two chapters because the first chapter goes into the worship of the Lord in the first goes to the Ten Commandments. And it goes to that first chapter so extraordinarily about the worship of God in the first commandment. It's like 70 pages long, but I often go back to it and read it. But he talks about the tithe in here. The tithe, when we're tithing, we are giving to God our first, our best, and we are saying that you are number one in our life. Amen? It's what we want to do, isn't it? It's what we want to do. So a lot of times people go, I can't tithe. And they and sometimes they have to work up to it. And that's that's legit at times. Sometimes they have to work up to it. It's really important that we um, get a grip on Scripture in a way that is rightly dividing the Word. You know, uh, you have to rightly divide the Word. You just don't get to interpret it any way you want and and, and just make up stuff. And, 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 you know, everyone wants to be a teacher. Everyone wants to teach people. But that's really dangerous because the Bible says those who teach... Those who desire to be a teacher actually come under stricter judgment because you're teaching somebody. So don't make up stuff, you know. But look, when I when I got saved, I I was not a giver, okay? I was not a giver. I wasn't, it doesn't mean I didn't give, but I didn't tithe, went to church, I didn't give. Um, you know, we'd throw in 10 bucks or a buck or, you know. And when I got saved, something happened to me where I instantly wanted to give. I was, I was so stinking grateful for, for being set free. But I began to look up the word for myself because I grew up in Catholicism. We weren't allowed to really read the word. They didn't teach the word. We didn't. And so my attitude was, I'm going to look up the word for myself. So let's see the first instance of the tithe. And then we're going to see if the tithe is mentioned in the New Testament. Just to break down. Now, tithe means tenth. It doesn't mean a tenth after taxes. It doesn't mean a tenth of what you have left. When you get your check, you give a tithe, a tenth. So if you're making $100,000 a year before taxes, you should be giving at least $10,000. That's your tithe. Okay? And people go, well, I really can't afford that. You got it? This is where faith comes in because God says he will supply you. God says he'll open up the windows of heaven if you're faithful and you're giving. He will call. And look, if you're working a minimum hour, like let's say you're making $10 an hour. I'm not telling you that if you start tithing, you're going to become a millionaire tomorrow. 
That's not what I'm doing because let's not do it. But God will bring increase. He'll bring favor. He'll he'll provide for you in other ways. Okay? So let's just say you're making, let's say you're making a $2,000 a month. Okay? Your tithe is $200. Oh, that's a lot of money. Yeah, but it's not a lot of money. Not if you get $50 every paycheck. Four paychecks a week, you know, four paychecks. And you just do it. Okay? Now, <clears throat> the great thing in America is you get to deduct that from your taxes. So your taxable income is now 1800 instead of 2000 So you're going to get a third of that back anyways because that's the greatness of our tax system. They don't tax. You know, people go, well, that's just wrong. No, we don't believe in taxing charity in America. That We're a very giving nation. And because we do that, we have a lot of giving that goes around around the world. We we fund a lot of things. So, all right. So Hebrews chapter, I'm now Hebrews. I'm sorry. Let's go back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 14. This is the encounter with Melchizedek. Now, Melchizedek is a priest who has no beginning in it. We have no genealogy. We don't know where he comes from. Um, he's also known as the prince of uh, Salem, uh, the king of Salem. And we want to see it now. I, I, I'm teaching on locals. I've been teaching in the subscribe side on the book of Hebrews. We've been going through it, going through that. And I've taught on Melchizedek, by the way, School of Prophets. I'll go into some of that stuff there too. But let's talk about giving. Let's talk about it here in this thing. Okay, verse 18, chapter 14. <clears throat> then Melchizedek, king uh, of Salem, brought out bread and wine, communion, Notice that, right? He was the priest of the God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham, the God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And says, and he gave him a tithe or a tenth of all. That's pretty amazing, right? Okay, now you have to... You know, I love, I got notes. I love reading my notes in my Bible. Um, um, the, the, what I want you to get is that God does want to increase you. God does want to prosper you. He wants to do it his way. He wants you to learn it his way. Not that you're not going to do stocks and all that, but, but there is something of tapping into the wisdom of God when you put God first in your finances that he makes your finances grow. He blesses you because he can trust you with it. And you might start out here, but if you will get faithful with, I don't care if, look, I don't care if you make a thousand a month. If you get faithful with a thousand, he can at least get you to 1,200, 1,300 a month. He'll increase you. And every time you're faithful, he is going, yes, I'm building you up in character. I'm building you up in wisdom. I'm building you up so I can, so we have this trust relationship. What's so amazing about the book of Genesis is God doesn't deal with Abraham. He doesn't deal with his kids and their idols. Doesn't deal with them on that. Do you know that? Because the book of Genesis, the number one thing that God is, God is uh, communicating and developing is a lineage of people that trust him. From Enoch, Noah. These are like you go through the Enoch, Noah. And then you get Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And they all come to this place of learning how to trust God. Then in Exodus, God starts dealing with holiness and putting away the foreign gods. Why didn't he do it right from the beginning? 
because he first had to build a relationship of trust. And that's what we're doing when we start giving. We're building a relationship of trust with God. Okay? With him and with us. Where he can trust us. Now, you might go, well, he has to prove. No, it's not that he's got to prove himself. But the only place he says we can't prove him is in finances. Okay? It's Malachi. Okay? Go to Malachi. Go to Matthew and take a left. If you want to get there quick. Okay? Because it's the last book of the Old Testament. And he says this. Um, will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me? But you say, <clears throat> in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. Israel, stop tithing and giving offerings. This is what he says to them, though. You are cursed with a curse. He didn't say, I cursed you. He said, you have violated this law of our covenant. You have violated it. If you violate the covenant, listen, if you violate the covenant, there's cursing. If you obey the covenant, there is blessing. There is not blessing regardless of what we do. There are many Christians who have suffered greatly at their own peril in their own hands because of what they have done. And they have suffered because of it. Suffered great. Israel had one that you know had a great covenant with God and suffered. Why? Because they kept breaking the covenant. That's one of the things you're doing here. We don't want to be covenant breakers. How do we be covenant breakers? When we don't obey. We said, you are our God. He said, you are my people. I said, you're my Lord. He said, you're my son. Guess what? In those words comes obedience. I expect you to obey me. I'm going to take care of you. I expect provision. I expect God to take care of me. I expect God to increase me. I expect God to give me wisdom. Because that's what he's promised me. But he has the right to expect of me obedience faithfulness, trust, love, all those things. He has the right because we're making this exchange in our covenant. My life for his life. But I have to be obedient. And he says this to him. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven, and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. See, I believe that the problem for a lot of people is they treat it more like Russian roulette. You know, one of the things I've been speaking about at the church is thank you for your giving. Now put faith in it. Call your blessing upon you. Speak the blessing over your life because you're a tither and a giver. You have the right to do that. Amen? Amen. And, and I think that a lot of times what happens to us is um, <coughs> that we forget this. Now, let's go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 7. Dealing with Abraham and Melchizedek, okay? <clears throat> I want to show you that your tithe is still being watched. Do you think Paul just... I mean, I'd always ask people, you think when Paul got born again, you think Peter, they all went, eh, we don't have to tithe anymore. Matter of fact, what we saw <clears throat> from the community of God was it wasn't a tithe. They gave everything for the work of the Lord. They shared openly with everybody. That takes a lot of grace. Why? 
Because you know you're going to have the people who don't have as much. But they all had to work. That was the thing that Paul said. If they don't work, they don't eat. But let's we'll get to that another time. <clears throat> 7, chapter 7, verse 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave him a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. <clears throat> now consider how great this man was, to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of all. Indeed, those who are the sons of Levi, who received the the priesthood have a commandment to receive tithes from the people according to the law. That is, from their brethren, though they have come from the loins of Abraham. But he whose genealogy is not derived from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Look at, we are commanded by God to receive the tithes. <clears throat> And I do believe, um, and I believe if you go to church, that's where you're supposed to tithe. Okay, if you go to church, you're supposed to tithe there. If you don't go to church, and let's say you go to my church online or someone's church online, then you should tithe there. I, I, I've seen something over the last 10 years where people don't go to church, they just go online, and this way they don't have to tithe. I've seen it. They come up with nice little, they think God doesn't see in their heart. That's you're, you don't realize that you're not deceived over the tithe. You're deceived that you think God doesn't see it. Trust the Lord. He wants to open up blessing to you. With blessing, he wants to bless you. With increase, he wants to increase you. He wants to multiply you financially and spiritually. He wants to bring you increase. Not because he wants you to have 20,000 square foot homes. That's not what we're talking about. But we're talking about how would you like to have enough to, I, I know this was, how would you like to have more than what you need and have it in such abundance that you can do greater work? Because, you know, I believe that if um, finances weren't an issue, many Christians would go on another missions trip. They would maybe go on one every six months if, if money wasn't an issue. They'd go preach the gospel. You know, they might not be in ministry, and that's understood. But maybe they'd go, hey, you know, what's keeping you from a missionary trip? Money, most likely. Boy, if, if someone paid the ticket, you'd go, oh, I'd love to go. Okay, start giving. Start believing. Start sowing seed. See what God does with that, that he increases you mightily in the earth. All right? We're going to get back to this and some other things, but I just want to show you. Now, next time I will talk about one of the greatest instances of the tithe. All right? that I That's in Scripture. It's so dynamic. And I want to speak it to you next week, so stay tuned. God bless you. You have a great day. Bye-bye.